0: back to the Superheroes Everyday Podcast. I'm Danny Horn. I'm here with Trevor Bolliger. Hey, Trevor. Hey, what's going on? We are here for Act 2 of the 2000 Magical Mutant Mystery Tour, X-Men. The story so far, sad sack, soul-sucking mutant girl named Robe runs away to join the circus, finds herself at Charles Xavier's place in Westchester, along with her new best friend Wolverine, a violent amnesiac cage fight champion who can smell danger and deal death with his incredible extendable metal claws. Despite his best efforts, Wolverine finds himself recruited to join the staff of a private school summer camp for teenage mercenaries hidden away in Westchester. Meanwhile, quartet of lunatic social justice warriors have decided they're going to make the world a better place. Step one, kidnap a United States senator. That plan is still emerging, so let's see how that develops in Act Two. To start with, Wolverine's got his shirt off again, which doesn't hurt my feelings one bit.
1: No, I mean, it's, you know, this podcast is a, uh... You know, we're breaking up the three acts, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, there's no better way to start a podcast than
0: to talk about Hugh Jackman's just naked, topless. Once yeah. again, yep, here he is. And he's lying down in sick bay, and Jean Grey is there attaching stuff to him and doing medical procedures, basically because she's a lady, I think. This was going to be Beast's role in the film, but Beast was too expensive. And so they figure, I think they figure, well, ladies are basically just nurses, So we'll just have Jean Jean do all the medical stuff. Any old old lady will do. Exactly. And Wolverine has noticed that Jean Grey is very beautiful and he is enjoying himself. He's flirting with her. He says, oh, you couldn't wait to take my shirt off again, huh? So he might as well be talking to Brian Singer and possibly (laughs) me. Jean puts him into an x-ray machine and discovers that he's got a magic metal skeleton. At some point that he does not fully recall, somebody grafted a special metal called adamantium to every bone in his body and that's why he's so strong because he's carrying around all this armor inside himself all the time you know Patrick Stewart says oh yeah experimentation on mutants this does happen I'm actually surprised it doesn't happen all the time it feels like the, the first thing you do then we see Senator Kelly in a big spooky lab that's also kind of a cave it's a volcano right
1: It's a volcano? (laughs) It's not a volcano. It's one of those New York volcanoes. But it's (laughs) upstate New York volcano. Definitely an evil base of
0: operations. It's a very complex set that I don't understand whether it's outside or inside. Because they're all sitting around. It's all built up. Like they've got the machine and everything like built Mm -hmm. into the wall, but it looks like everything's kind of rock. And there's a bird on a branch so that Toad can stick out his tongue and eat the bird. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, but is this inside? That's why I think it's a big empty volcano. Is that what it looks like inside a volcano?
1: <laughs> I know it's birds, birds and machines and stuff. Yeah, because it's inside, but it's also outside. Very well. I mean, Danny, I'm in Kansas City right now, which is the opposite <laughs> of a volcano. So don't listen to me.
0: Well, so Senator Kelly, he's all he's all tied up down to a chair, and uh, and Magneto. Comes in and gives him a whole speech about mutants. And Kelly says, "Like whatever you do to me, you're going to make me right. Everything you do is going to prove every sentence that I've said." And the thing that I like is they just don't give a shit. They're like, "This is not about that for us. We're just going to do some shit to you." Yeah. Uh, they say mankind has always feared what it doesn't understand, and I guess that means that you and I are terrified of this of this scene, this whole <laughs> sequence. Yeah, it makes no sense. Is it a volcano? I'm terrified. <laughs> So he gets into this weird device where he gets lifted up on a platform and he puts his hand down on some pillars that appear to not, it, it's not very comfortable is what it looks like to me. No, it's very owie. Yeah. yeah and then it creates this uh, white stringy radiation field that kind of like zooms out until it engulfs Kelly and he's clearly very unhappy about it. And then it snaps back.
1: It reminds me a lot of, like, effects from late series X-Files and the Ark of the Covenant.
0: (laughs) Yeah, kind of mixed together. Then we got some more flirtiness with Wolverine and Jean. This is the big first flirty adventure where she shows Wolverine to his new bedroom and shows her mental powers by just banging the door closed with her mind, which is what I would want to do as well.
1: (laughs) I love this effect because it's... Probably the cheapest effect in the entire movie. There's probably just a PA outside that just <laughs> shuts the door really fast. But yeah, it doesn't matter. It's a great scene.
0: Yeah. But she does mention that she rooms, she bunks with Cyclops. And she explains that, no, she's telekinetic. And also she can read people's minds. And he just, like, stands right, looks right up into her face and says, go ahead, read my mind. And he's so cute. And and I'm on Team Wolverine every single time. Mm-hmm. They are underselling the appeal of Scott Summers, James Marsden. He is being sacrificed on the altar of Hugh Jackman's hotness. It is nighttime and Wolverine is having a bad night. One of a series of nightmares, apparently where he is dreaming little uh, green, sketchy details of his, of his previous torture and trauma. He's making all kinds of noises and rogue is bunking somewhere nearby she decides to come in and just stand over him and put herself in mortal danger.
1: It does. It's just like, what the hell is going on with Rogue? Like (laughs) she like wanders up to dangerous Alaska. And then now she's just like wandering into like somebody's room while they're having a nightmare. And she knows that he's a dangerous guy. Yeah. Who's got like metal claws. Just, she keeps putting herself in these really dangerous situations. And I don't care enough about her to hope that she doesn't get hurt.
0: (laughs) I tell you what she's not going to do this twice cuz she she reaches down she says come on wake up and he wakes up yeah he gets up he is all excited and he puts his claws right through her she mission accomplished she woke him up <laughs> and it is a gruesome kind of scene especially the sound design i think is quite gruesome it really sounds like he just he She's not breathing correctly. He's got his stuff right through her lungs, is what it sounds like.
1: Yeah, it's very, there's a lot of liquid. Yeah. Squish of the metal blades through
0: her. Yeah, it's excellent filmmaking right there. She's standing there dying, and he is horrified. He pulls his claws straight out again. So now it's an exit wound as well. (laughs) This is not actually helpful. Uh, He tries kind of vaguely to scream for help, and she just grabs him and sucks his healing power right out of his body.
1: You know, Danny, when you asked me if I wanted to do this movie, I was like, oh, yeah, I love that movie. Let's do it. And then after a beat, I realized, oh, wait, rogues in it. And I think (laughs) I think this is the scene because she traumatizes it. She makes him feel bad for a dumb thing that she did. She woke him out of a nightmare.
0: To be fair, also. You get woken up from a nightmare. You don't like grab a knife and start stabbing people with it.
1: Yeah, but this is. A man who is named after a feral, wild animal.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, he's upset. So she grabs him. She just sucks that power out. She heals up and all the all the little woodland animals, all the school kids come to look in at the door and see what's happening. He collapses and she pushes her way out. And I tell you, those kids scatter <laughs> to get out of her way. You do not want to touch this girl. Oh yeah that no. that is something we have all just learned, yeah, no that's uh I have to
1: imagine that she told people that she was like, "I'm super dangerous, and you know, like the moody goth girl that comes into your class, <laughs> but then when you actually see like, oh shit, she's dangerous, she's gonna like attack yeah. and suck the power out of the strongest man possible and mm-hmm. then, yeah,
0: then you take her seriously, well, you want to see somebody else is having a hard day? Senator Kelly is in a weird. What is this place now? Mountaintop, cave, jail cell. Say it's, it's a volcano. In Yes. Yeah. So here is Senator Kelly in a volcano, in know, sort of a, a jail cell volcano. Uh, there's bars on the window. And he somehow figures out that he can just squeeze his head all the way between those bars. <laughs> right Squishing on out his face. It is very gross. This is a problem with villains that we have run across in these movies, which is you want them to be mean and unappealing, but you also need them to be something that that the audience is actively interested in looking at and spending time with. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I keep running into movies where either the villain is so obnoxious that it makes me hate the movie or is so gross looking that I'm not happy with it. And Senator Kelly, I have to say, I'm not happy with this man, with looking at this man.
1: You think he looks gross? He looks terribly gross. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I think he looks like one of those alien stress dolls that when you (laughs) squeeze them, their eyes shoot out, their their tongue shoots out.
0: That hadn't occurred to me, but he does have that kind of look. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes through all the way through the bars. And by the time Magneto and Sabretooth try to figure out what's gone on with him, they come into the cell. He is gone. Magneto blasts the window off of the wall. Rips it right off the wall. <laughs> he's very impatient and he looks down, and there's Gaston just like hanging onto the mountain, like in a cartoon.
1: <laughs> Which is very funny, but then it actually leads to one of my favorite parts in the entire movie. I've, I've mentioned this before where Magneto, ambitious ideas guy, loves to mm-hmm. monologue. Not that great at recruiting, though. <laughs> no, he's not. So he tells Sabretooth to like pull up the senator. Yeah. Sabretooth I thought Sabretooth ripped off his arm it's just his sleeve from his jacket. Yeah,
0: no, he's trying. Yeah, <laughs> he tries to to grab him. Kind
1: he kind of tries but not very yeah. well and the senator just plummets to the water. Plummets to a, a messy death on the rocks below. And then Sabretooth comes back in and just kind of essentially shrugs
0: at Magneto. <laughs> and then Magneto like snaps him into the jail cell. He mm-hmm. he snaps the bars closed and now <laughs> yeah. Sabretooth is just growls. He's all unhappy. Mm-hmm. A little saber tooth. And then there's the really, there's the really gross Senator Kelly scene. Well, one of one of many, really. Yeah, many, many. Yeah. Yeah. Where he gets up out of the beach, he's he is coming out of the water like a big pink pillow monster, kind mm-hmm. of goo monster. Yeah. Who comes. He gets out. It is not clear why he's like that, and it is not clear why he's not wearing clothes. But somehow he has lost. His clothes and his self-respect. And he just gloops up out of the water. I mean, gloop is the appropriate verb. And everyone is just staring at him. And he grabs somebody's clothes. I don't know who he he is stealing from at that moment.
1: I mean, it's a very blatant crime. Everybody's looking at him, including, <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, Stanley. That's Stanley. Stanley. Yeah, his yeah. little cameos right there.
0: Yeah, selling hot dogs. Mm-hmm. And Senator Kelly is a famous person.
1: Well, I don't know if the gloop monster is a famous person, but Senator Kelly is, is known I by feel people. Like, yeah, I
0: feel like he's by the time he steals somebody's clothes, he's recognizable. <laughs> yeah, I yeah.
1: guess that's true. In case the audience hasn't figured out that the senator is a mutant now, you know, through all the gloop and all that, someone on the beach says, is that a mutant? <laughs> so I just appreciate that the movie is still looking out for the very stoned people in the audience just to make sure that <laughs> they're right. they're on the same page as all the silver people.
0: And it's it's nice that like we do get to see a little bit of like the world reaction mm-hmm. where they're like, Oh, you you know, is that a mutant? Yeah, but don't worry about it. Like all the world leaders are about to have a conference about it. So we're gonna figure this problem out. We got these gloopy guys coming up on the beach. Mm-hmm. We are gonna get this figured out though. Back at the school, Rogue is sitting on a bench. And here comes Bobby Drake, little Iceman. Oh, Bobby. He's unhappy with her. He tells her that everybody's upset because she has used her power against another mutant. And he is really quite catty about it. He's he's a jerk, but I don't think it's him. He's like a mean girl. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, this is actually, it's Mystique being mean girl. She's going back to high school. This is This is like that gossip problem that you were discussing. This is the mean high school. This is the mean high school. And that's the yeah. only
1: way that Mystique would have known that rogue hurt wolverine
0: you know that is true that's something that i hadn't considered there is a lot of examples in this movie of the villains just knowing exactly what they need to know at any given time
1: this movie moves at a very steady clip and yeah and you really
0: don't think about it that did not occur to me at all yeah mystique is just shows up she knows exactly who to who to pretend to be (laughs)
1: Exactly who to pretend to be, exactly what to talk about, exactly how to criticize
0: her. Yeah, she knows who Rogue has been hanging out with. Yeah, you're right. This is all this entire movie is one big high school. And so Bobby tells her all the students are freaked. It'll be easier if you're on your own. And she just she takes it all in. And the one thing that we know Rogue knows how to do is run away. She's really good at it. She just gets up and just walks away off into the distance.
1: That's that's why she calls herself rogue is because she just she just goes
0: rogue. rogue. (laughs) So now everybody's all worried. Rogue is gone. And so Professor X goes into his crazy, enormous ballroom. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that as ballroom. He goes into a crazy uh, room that is constructed like the inside of a ball. He explains that the brainwaves of mutants are different, which they sure are and he says uh this this room amplifies my power to locate mutants and so he's going to use cerebro in order to find rogue rogue just left and this is a huge estate like i don't even think she's past the driveway yet he could probably just run right outside and get her
1: yeah i mean that's one of the things that i appreciate is that she leaves and then the very next scene they announce that she's left there's no like yeah. discovery scene in between it's just like nope, nope. doesn't have to happen that's filler this movie needs to be one hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> you know what else they left on the cutting room floor? What? Any line of dialogue for Halle Berry.
0: That is true. She really does not have a lot to say for herself.
1: No, she just kind of stands there, blows some snow around. And then she's got a <laughs> couple of questionable lines in the third act. But she has got it,
0: like some snappy comebacks. Yeah, that's about it. They he leaves the, the four X-Men out in the hallway while he goes and does his cerebro Google search, uh, which is. Shows a bunch of fun effects. It shows all these black and white people and then zooms in on Rogue in color. There's a lot of people between him and Rogue. And as far as I know, Rogue is just over at the train station.
1: So actually, uh, do you mind if we talk about Jean Grey at this moment? Because this is the moment of the movie or I started to question, is Jean Grey a character in this movie? <laughs> Does she actually contribute to the story or is her only purpose to instigate interesting action for others to do
0: yeah what does she do she a lot of her scenes like if you
1: go back and you rewatch it she's just very it's both her and storm strangely are
0: just quiet they don't have dialogue yeah i wonder how that happened yeah (laughs) yeah she does like yeah she does the medic stuff Mm -hmm. does she even do any telekinesis does she telekineet anything
1: a little bit in the very end and we could talk about it then but i think it's questionable if she actually contributes to the the team building exercise
0: in any way yeah she's just a really pretty woman uh-huh it didn't occur to me because she's so beautiful and so much fun to have around and like and she has really nice chemistry with wolverine I,
1: but you're yeah. right that is
0: the only thing that they do
1: yeah she's very pretty she's got a great smile and other characters are interested in her but i think she solely yes, exists yeah. for for scott and logan to fight over and then to be yeah essentially a reflection of professor X like she's a lesser Mm -hmm. version of of his skill set I mean I remember her her as being as interesting as Storm and and Scott and Logan but now like watching it now through my quote-unquote critical lens I think she's she just exists to help the male characters do interesting things
0: we find Rogue on the train and here she is once again being the sad sack and you know, she doesn't do a hell of a lot in this movie either. She she really is. She's the MacGuffin is this girl because it turns out everybody just has to spend from here on spend the movie basically just worrying about Rogue and chasing after her.
1: To give this movie credit, though, I thought this actual the scene of dialogue between Rogue and Wolverine is actually like I actually gave a shit about Rogue for, for a moment. And, you know, it makes you care about Wolverine more because he's like building this relationship with her. He's trying to be this older mm-hmm. brother, this like, protector
0: figure for her. Yeah, no, I agree. It is, in, It really shows a connection between Rogue and Wolverine. And it's this thing that makes Wolverine a three-dimensional character. That mm-hmm. he can be, he can basically do anything. Like, he can be super violent and scary when he's fighting somebody. He can be, like, super sexy and has a ton of chemistry when he's being romantic with Gene. And now when he's being kind of comforting uncle, older brother, friend to to Rogue, he's very sensitive and he's really sweet with her. Mm -hmm. she's a fucking drag. But, yeah, it definitely rounds him out in a way that, Mm -hmm. that makes him a better character, for sure. Meanwhile, here's Mystique taking off her Bobby face for a minute to put on a Patrick Stewart face so that she has Professor Xavier's eyes. She fools the retinal scan to get into Cerebro. And, uh, once again, villain characters know everything that they need to know. She opens up this box that's part of Cerebro and there's this fluid in there and she has some green fluid. Some evil looking fluid. Evil looking green dye that she sprays into the fluid link and then she just closes it up again and does a little evil laugh. I am not sure what that fluid has to do with anything as far as the operation of Cerebro goes.
1: All right so Two things. One, we've learned that Cerebro runs on a liquid, which I'm going to assume is brain juice. <laughs>
0: I think you're right. But only only clear brain juice.
1: Safe-looking brain juice, not dangerous looking brain juice.
0: My second question is,
1: do you think there are 24-hour Cerebro mechanics or do you got to wait until like business hours on a Monday?
0: You're wondering if it's like Roto-Rooter, if you could just call them right away and yeah. mm-hmm. have them come out? here's cyclops and storm they've gone to the train station they're looking for rogue they're not being super effective about it storm is at the ticket counter i love this part where she she tells the guy we're looking for a girl she's about my height she's got brown hair which describes (laughs) like almost everybody in the world she's she's uh only eliminated herself from the pool (laughs) basically average height female brown hair like yeah i've seen a few of them and then saber there and grabs her neck and pushes her up against the window and he's all growling i like him i it's he is so silly but i love having just this big giant monster who can show up uh-huh. every once in a while okay
1: okay you've sold me
0: oh and he has a line here he has he has a line he says scream for me it's like his only line oh well, that's poetic right there yeah. yeah, she doesn't do it, unfortunately. But that's partly because he's grabbing her neck. He's not being very clear about exactly what he wants.
1: Yeah.
0: And Toad is there. And so finally, here's Toad doing toad stuff. He climbs up the wall, all slippery. And he um, and he uses his tongue to pull Cyclops's eye protector off, pulls his eye protector off. And then he is just this radiating burst of nuclear red fire that destroys. The entire train station. Like, it smashes the ceiling and all this rubble falls. And you have to imagine, like, kills people and injures people. Probably. I mean, that thing's going to be closed for renovations for, for months. <laughs> yeah, for sure, at least. And then Storm uses her lightning power to to generate lightning that goes through that hole in the roof. And so that lightnings up Sabretooth and blows him across the room. I'm not sure what the uh, what the outcome of that whole fight is. That's kind of where it ends.
1: Yeah, I mean, a, a few million dollars of taxpayer
0: money. That's <laughs> one of the outcomes. What happens to Cyclops and what happens to Storm at the end of that fight? Where do they go? I Yeah, no, I was wondering
1: this because they're not in the next few scenes of the movie. A couple of scenes. Nope. Yeah, they I have to just imagine that the the wreckage of Cyclops' mayhem knocked out Cyclops and Sabretooth mm-hmm. knocked out Storm. But yeah,
0: it's... Maybe, kind of. Don't think about it. <laughs> yeah, I think well, I think you're right. I think it's like the pace of the movie like I am realizing these things like after watching it several times, taking notes and now talking to you about it, I realize like oh wait, so how does where does this person go and how does that work? And like you don't notice this when you're actually watching the movie.
1: Because the next scene is actually it's far more captivating than this. So you're It really is. The train
0: yeah. stops. Rogue and Rogue and Wolverine are now on a train together that's moving out of the station. Train stops. There's all this kind of like haunted electricity stuff and magnet effects, And then the train just splits in half down the middle. And here comes Magneto making a huge production of this. He loves it. I love it. You can tell that this is pre-iPhone. Because what this scene would be today is like all of a sudden, every single person takes out their iPhone and starts filming what's going on. He levitates in. He has a cape on. He has a metal yarmulke on. He is... (laughs) <laughs> the grand Magneto, the great magician and magnetician <laughs> Wolverine stands up. He's going to he's going to fight Magneto. And uh, it turns out Wolverine has metal all over inside his body and is not uh he's not the right guy to go up against Magneto.
1: He's like the, the last person that should go go up against <laughs> Magneto. Know.
0: Wolverine is the perfect killer. Except he has this one weak spot, which unfortunately the main villain of the movie is able <laughs> to exploit perfectly. Which is he uses the metal in his body to just immobilize him and lift him up into the air and pulls his claws apart, which is actually it. I know it's just an imaginary character, but it, it makes me squirm a little bit. That that looks excruciating. Yeah, Wolverine says, like, what do you want with me? And that's when we find out the big um, the big turn for the movie is... He doesn't want Wolverine. He's here after Rogue. Now, I've got some I've got some magnet questions about this because Jean Grey has telekinesis, mm-hmm. which she hardly uses. I don't believe that there's a single time in this entire movie where she uses her telekinesis. You know, who uses telekinesis Magneto. He flies himself into the room. He throws stuff around. He I feel like they treat magnetism in this movie as if it's telekinesis. So this goes back to the comic book. Stan Lee and Jack Kirby were fascinated with four things that they kept writing stories about that they knew nothing about and could not understand. Fire, magnetism, blindness, and women. And they were just going to keep writing stories about these until they figured it out. And they appear to think that magnetism applies to not just metal things, but honestly anything. So I can totally get, like, that he can manipulate Wolverine because Wolverine specifically has metal all over his body. But I don't feel like Magneto should be able to fly. That feels unfair to me. Like,
1: his ability is that he can, it's not just manipulate metal, but it's he can make metal levitate. Mm -hmm. And he can move metal around in space. And so I think in maybe in another movie, they show that he's got, like, metal on his shoes or something and so <laughs> he's not making his body levitate he's making the metal within his clothing levitate mm-hmm. but yeah because of this they can he's essentially all
0: powerful they yep. just say metal there's metal there's metal there yeah yep there is a huge police presence by the time these guys get a, make start to make their getaway magneto is coming out out of the train station the wrecked train station with rogue over his shoulder Wolverine's still hung up somewhere. Sabretooth and Toad are with him. Cyclops and Storm are just not nowhere to be seen. So there's a whole bunch of police and police cars outside. And Magneto, this is actually a very Magneto. Everybody stops and everybody has a gun. And he just like picks up police cars and smashes them down on other police cars, which is pretty boss. And then he uses his magnet powers to grab all their guns out of their hands and turn them around and make the guns point back at the police. The thing that I admire about these cops is they don't flinch. You take guns, you train them back on them, you even fire one of those guns, and you've got a bullet. Go. There's one guy where there's a bullet going straight towards him very slowly starting to press into his forehead. If I was that guy, I'd try to lean him back a little bit. Yeah, lean back, maybe to the side. Yeah. <laughs> it, might, it might not be like the most heroic move that I would make, but I would I would I'd give that a try. Yeah. But Charles is there. Charles is Charles is speaking to Magneto through his other little friends. So Sabretooth grabs him by the neck and says, That's enough, Eric. And uh and we see that Xavier is sitting in a car somewhere talking to him through his uh Sabretooth ventriloquism act. <laughs> And Magneto basically says, if you are not planning to kill me right now, then you can basically go and pound sand. And eventually, Xavier just has kind of nothing to say about it. And he turns everybody loose. And then here's Mystique appearing with a helicopter. I guess this is the helicopter that they stole. It's been very useful.
1: So, oh, I get it it now. His entire Brotherhood team all went to helicopter flight school.
0: (laughs) That's what they've been doing. That is a good power, actually, is being able to to manifest a a helicopter whenever you want. Now, the hallmark of superhero movies is bloodless murder with no consequence. And that is what happens with this train station scene is, is the entire train station falls down on people. There should be blood and gore everywhere. There are smashed police cars outside. As far as I can tell, there is no further investigation of this event.
1: So I know that you're not the biggest fan of Toad. But mm-hmm. maybe I can change your mind. I don't know if you noticed this detail, but he was wearing Cyclops' eye protector goggles on his head.
0: I did not notice that. He's
1: got Rogue over his shoulder and he's got the Cyclops. Aww,
0: like a little trophy.
1: Yeah. So why I like Toad is that he's having fun. He's like dancing and he's being <laughs> silly. And, you know, it's... That's true. It's like a fun energy in the movie.
0: Yeah, it's, that's true.
1: I mean, it's kind of disgusting what he does with the tongue, but... Yeah. I don't know. I had fun with him. I thought he was I appreciated him more than uh, Sabretooth. But, you know, that's that's why these like giant team movies work is that you can have your favorites. (laughs) I can have my favorites and we can all agree that Rogue is
0: is the worst. The worst. Yeah. Back at the ranch, Wolverine is put off by all of this. He's mad at Xavier because he says you said that he wanted me. And Xavier explains that he can't find Magneto because. Apparently, it's the helmet that has been blocking him, mm-hmm. which would make sense if we saw Magneto wearing the helmet at any other time during the movie so far up until the train station. He oh. not
1: <laughs> No, you're right. He's just in his volcano. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He hasn't been wearing it the whole time. Well, Wolverine is he's heading out. He's going to go and uh, and go and, and look for Rogue. And then guess who drops in? Here's Senator Kelly. Everybody's favorite senator at the door. He is looking for Jean Grey. How does he know? He's been following the gossip like everybody else in this high school. He knows that Jean Grey lives here. This secret Westchester sanctum (laughs) that Senator Kelly specifically is the person that they're trying to hide from. Nope. He's on the team now. He shows up. This is just another one of them X-Men plot holes that we are just going to be okay with. Damn,
1: I didn't even catch that. You know what I did catch is that he comes in asking to talk to Gene Gray and you mm-hmm. know you know who d- does not have another line of dialogue for the next five minutes for a
0: while Gene gray Grey. yeah all the men talk <laughs> well they take him downstairs to sickbay and uh and he and now here's for those Senator Kelly fans here's another shirtless Senator Kelly scene he's he's not quite as good as Wolverine in no. the in the shirtless department they kind of cover it up a little bit with a blanket. So Xavier looks into Senator Kelly's mind and gets a whole flashback to what happened to him. So he gets to see the whole machine, but he sees that Magneto is weakened by this process. And somehow he figures all of this out. So he comes back from this vision and he tells all the X-Men that Magneto has, has created radiation that forces mutations in normal people, but it's unstable and Kelly's rejecting it. Uh, which means that it is going to harm any normal person they use the phrase normal person
1: yeah i was gonna say like professor x uses normal a lot and it's kind yeah. of unsettling
0: i mean i don't know what the i don't know what the politically correct term would be i non-mutant yeah cis person yeah so they all figure out together somehow that Magneto is going to – he's using Rogue. He's going to give his power to Rogue and then use Rogue to power the machine. I have a question for you. Why? How does that work and why and what is that for?
1: i The only thing that I can think of is on um, a storytelling te- story level that a damsel in distress –
0: <laughs> yes. is an interesting MacGuffin yep this is when she just fully becomes a MacGuffin and just drops out of the story as a character at all this is no longer a story about Rogue because Rogue is now gone she's going to be gone we're kind of mid to late act 2 she's gone from the movie basically until the very very end of act 3 and the only thing that she does once we get there is be that damsel in distress she's just there to to scream and cry and be upset She is basically just the weapon at this point that they need to disarm. And then downstairs in the crime lab, in the medical center, Senator Kelly drips out. (laughs) He wet himself. (laughs) It strikes me there is no medical staff at this school. Honestly, there's no staff at all. No, it's just really what we see is there's Professor Xavier. There's three lunatics who run around in costumes and destroy things. (laughs) There's Wolverine, the brand new crazy uncle who just came in. Another lunatic. Another lunatic. There's no medical staff at this school. This is a school where there are children who are learning how to control their mutant powers. You have to imagine people get injured on the regular.
1: I bet Professor X just like hopes that every semester he gets a new kid that has like the healing power.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's got to be some kind of like quota system where for like every <laughs> five other kinds of mutants that come in, at least one of them has to do something useful in the healing direction.
1: Uh, I really hope I get a chef mutant or a janitor <laughs> mutant.
0: Yeah, that's how he just he, yeah, he has to wait until someone comes in who can like sweep really fast, <laughs> and make the beds and stuff.
1: Yeah, because Storm's not really help that helpful. She'll just blow all the trash to one side of the room. But that's about it.
0: Storm does have this nice little uh, nurse moment. She's she's female, it turns out, and so therefore she can be there and <laughs> be a comforting nurse on duty while Senator Kelly is, is lying there just like dripping himself to death. He's all wet and gooey. He doesn't want to be alone. He asks Storm, do you hate normal people? And Storm's line here is about as weak as it could possibly be. He says, do you hate normal people? And she's like, sometimes <laughs> and he says why and she thinks for a while and she says i suppose because i'm afraid of them which is not really what i need from storm in this moment yeah but it it does give it does give Kel- kelly a great line he says well i think you've got one less person to be afraid of <laughs> and then he just dissolves into goo which is a killer closing line like points to <laughs> points to senator kelly Right to the end. He's got he's got a good finale. He was saving that one up. I'm going to save that one up. I'm going to steal
1: that. I hope that's my dying breath right there. <laughs> you got One less guy to
0: worry about. <laughs> and so he just kind of like goes down the drain, flushes himself down the drain. <laughs> and that is the end of another baffling plot line with no further consequence. So Xavier's going to use Cerebro again to find Rogue once again. We have to keep going back to this to find Rogue. Every five minutes, we got to figure out where she is. (laughs) And uh, so Cerebro, Xavier tries to use Cerebro. He puts the helmet on, and he concentrates real hard. But it turns out, as you and I know, Cerebro's full of green stuff. Mm. So it doesn't work. Feeds back on him somehow. Something blows up. He blows a gasket in his brain, and he just falls off the chair. And now he's in sickbay. I hope they wiped it off. Oh, (laughs) between between Kelly and then putting Xavier on there. I hope they had like a whole bunch of hand sanitizer that they kind of wiped it all down with.
1: Or maybe the senator turned into hand sanitizer. So it's one of those kind of problems that resolves itself. That was
0: his mutant power. (laughs) An endless supply of Senator Kelly hand sanitizer. Uh, Well, no, it it ended. It ended for sure. Oh, yeah. No, there is. That is not endless. Oh, well. (laughs) Uh, So Xavier's knocked out. He's going to be knocked out for the whole rest of the movie. It is another shirtless scene. If you wanted more shirtless scenes, here's now Patrick Stewart with his shirt off. People just can't (laughs) keep their shirts on. This movie. They still need to figure out where Rogue is. And without Cerebro, they got no way to know she could be anywhere. So Jean, she is the mechanic who's able to take the green stuff out of Cerebro and she knows how to fix it. And so then she decides to try it out. And there's a very dramatic little moment that doesn't actually do much where Scott sees that she's using it. and She shuts the door on him and she tries it and it kind of messes her up and she kind of collapses off of it. But somehow she has figured out she knows where Magneto is going. And so a young girl has been kidnapped. The professor is out of action and Wolverine is stuck in a film with teammates that he hardly knows and has very little reason to like. The fate of the free world is at stake and so this must be the end of act two of x-men as usual with superhero movies act three trevor the endless battle sequence and here's what's coming up yeah and when you get right down to it basically their their tactics are we're gonna go there the outfits look
1: great and like i think i want to be that for halloween this year just dress up in black leather yeah okay well
0: We see a little bit of the event, and it does look boring. I gotta say, it would liven things up, no end, if everybody there got superpowers. Security back then was just like a concept.
1: It wasn't actually anything that, you you could just walk wherever you want, take your boat, murder a couple guards.
0: And he does something called tri-acting, where he just screams and he like tries really hard, like, that's tri-acting. All right. Stay tuned for that. Thank you, Trevor. Hey, pleasure as always. And we will be back here for everybody for Act 3 of X-Men on the Superheroes Everyday Podcast. Thanks for listening. but whoever said i
1: wanted you